it's not just about the city. It's the place where Christians and Jews agree. It's the place where the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, will one day come to rule and reign. It's about the destiny of that city, not just to be a place of peace, but to be the throne seat of the Prince of Peace who will rule over the nations of the earth. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world in the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. Today we're going to talk about a specific Bible verse, Psalm 122.6, which is one that you've probably heard before, especially if you've been in any church circles talking about Israel and the Jewish people. This verse says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but we're going to talk about what does that really mean practically and why should we do that. But before we get started, we want to let you know about an opportunity we have for you to support Jewish communities that you probably have never heard of living in some of the most remote parts of the world. We help them with immediate physical needs and we also share the gospel with them. So there's more details on our website, ajewandagentildiscuss.org. And as a thank you for getting involved, we want to send you some coffee from Ethiopia, which is one of the countries we've served over 20 years. So stay tuned to the end of this podcast for a chance to win that coffee for free. So let's discuss. Carly, this verse falls into kind of a bucket of verses or let's say bumper sticker directives uh, or, uh, you know, statements of solidarity that I think... The Christian community, you know, out of a good heart has said and sort of drummed up, you know, and we teach it to our children and we teach it to our our churches and congregations. But I'm always asking the question, yeah, but why? And maybe some of our listeners are asking that too. And that's why they tune into this and other episodes that we put out there is, okay, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, right? And some of the other examples are, I stand with Israel or, you know, Israel's eternal right to the land. You know, these things that you see in like the, you know, inevitably like navy blue and white bumper stickers on the back of somebody's, you know, gas guzzling car somewhere at an intersection. And you read it and part of us goes like, yeah, uh, yes, I know intuitively I'm supposed to do that. There's something biblical there. Like that's part of my responsibility as a believer. But then the other part of us either asks or I'd say should be asking, yeah, but why? And so why Psalm 122.6? So the context of this is it's one of what's called the Psalms of Ascent or the Song of Ascents. So this was read, not read, because most people didn't have a copy of the, uh, of the scriptures or the Psalms at that time. It was taught orally using melodies from generation to generation. And so this would actually be sung as communities of Jewish men, women, and children were ascending the steps, walking up the many, many steps into the temple in Jerusalem. And it's this fantastic, you know, it begins in verse 1, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Remember, they're literally walking into the house of the Lord as they're singing this. So it's this great psalm of, of, of praise and rejoicing and just overflowing thankfulness in our hearts. And then at the end, David gets directive and he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and then this part we love to quote in Christian communities as well. It says, may they prosper or may they be secure who love you, 
right? Meaning those who love Jerusalem stand to get blessed. And so the other bumper sticker thing I'm thinking of at this moment, we talk about this on other episodes, is Genesis 12. Great passage, but also widely misunderstood and maybe over over applied, overused. And Genesis 12 says to Abraham, as he's becoming the first and the father of the Jewish people, says, you know, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse him who curses you. And so we quote that, like Genesis 12, baby, I'm blessing Israel to get blessed. Same thing, Psalm 122, God will prosper those who love Jerusalem. Well, yeah, but why? So that's part of what we wanna kind of go back and forth on today, Carly, right? Is to try to unpack this idea of why does it matter for Christians to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In its original context, this command was to Jewish people, the Jewish faithful who were calling upon the name of the Lord, going to worship the God of Israel in uh, Jerusalem when there was a temple standing there, and they would pray this psalm. But how did we get to the point where Christians make this same statement and expect the same blessing, and, and why does it matter anyway? So that's what we're trying to kind of dive into today. There's something in that verse, Ezra, like in the, you know, something that involves you using phlegm, in Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> I do love to use phlegm, so we'll see. I wonder what you're going to ask. Um, in that verse, because, you know, like you said, we just hear pray for the peace of Jerusalem and like that, that's it. Is right. there something behind that? Yeah. And this is where, you know, we're, we're reading the scriptures in English or Spanish or, you know, whatever. If you're in Russia, you're reading it in Russian or, you know, any, any language that we speak is our heart language. But this is an example among hundreds we could give where if you go back to the original Hebrew, you're going to find something that doesn't translate to the languages we speak day to day. And that's the Hebrew word for Jerusalem, the name of this city, actually, if you will, the God-given name. And I would say God-given names reflect God-given identities. More on that in just a second, okay? So the Hebrew named from heaven name of this city is Yerushalayim. So not a lot of phlegm, just a rolled fancy R there, but Yerushalayim, and that literally means the city or the village of peace. So now, you know, back the truck up for a minute to Psalm 122.6. David's saying, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. He's saying, shalu shalom Yerushalayim in Hebrew. That means pray for the peace of the city of peace. Ah, interesting. It's almost a play on words. And we don't pick that up in the English or the Spanish or whatever, right? We don't think of Jerusalem as embodying the word peace. And yet the very name of the city is that it's supposed to be a place of peace. So two thoughts there. First of all is like for, for our Christian audience or for our Jewish audience, if you're Jewish and you're, you know, you're religious, you're observant, we pray. And why is it that we pray? We pray for ourselves and for those close to us, right, that God would bless us and keep us and protect us and, you know, give us our daily bread and, and whatnot. But when we're praying for somebody else or something else or someplace else, what's the nature of those prayers? Or at least what should it be, right? We're, we're ideally not saying, hey, God, this is what I think should happen with this person, place, or thing. It's, God, I'm praying that your will be done and your kingdom come to that person, place, or thing that I'm naming in prayer right now. And so literally, if we take that model, Jesus' model, namely, of right, this is how you should pray when you pray, our Father in heaven, avinu shabashamayim in Hebrew, you know, May your name be glorified and lifted up. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Okay, now apply that to praying for Jerusalem like David said. 
Praying for God's will to be done in Jerusalem means praying that the God-given destiny of that city come to pass, which is exactly now coming back to the verse what's happening. David's saying, pray according to the will of God for the city of peace. Pray for its peace. I mean, it's right. It, it's, it makes something obscure when we go back to the original context and the original language. We go, oh, well, of course, and it's even cute in the Hebrew. Pray for the peace of the city of peace. Say, say it in Hebrew again. Shalu shalom Yerushalayim. So is shalom used twice because peace is shalom? Yeah, shalom as a word, you know, is just that that's the root word of for peace, literally. Like when you say hello or goodbye in, yeah. in Israel, you say shalom, yeah. just, you know, peace. Or you could say peace be to you. But yeah. Yerushalayim, the word, that root word of peace is built into it. Ir in Hebrew is city or village, okay? And shalayim is saying of peace or ir shalom, Yerushalayim. That's how you get there. Isn't it interesting that we're talking about Jerusalem and that's the city of peace, which is what we might say is the opposite of the city of peace in today's world? exactly. So I'm glad you said that, right? Because our audience is listening and going, hmm, the city of peace. And yet, no matter which news station I subscribe to, to further the narrative I already have. Sorry, that's, I shouldn't have I said too much. I said too much. Whatever news station or news stations we subscribe to to try and be more informed about today's headlines, right? Uh, a little rebuke for myself and all of us in there. I'm hearing about a Jerusalem that seemingly is hotly contested, a Muslim holy site, the third holiest in Islam, and the holiest site in all of Judaism, and a sacred place uh, for Christians, because right next to it is the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus said he's coming back to Jerusalem to rule and reign. And so this most hotly contested few acres of real estate, literally on the face of the earth, and a place where rocks are being thrown off the Temple Mount onto Jewish worshipers below, and a place with heavy, heavy armed security, because there's intifadas and there's other uprisings happening, and a place where the U.S. decides to put an embassy, and now all of a sudden we're on the verge of World War III over this incredibly horrific decision or, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, upsetting decision to a lot of the world, and this polarizing place. And like you said, our audience is going, wait a minute, this place is anything but the city of peace. What's going on here? And now enter maybe David's encouragement for us to pray and the beginning of the conversation we're having here today on why the heck that matters to Christians. If Christians are concerned about the things God cares about, Carly, right? And if Christians are really saying that I'm, my, I'm aligning my life and my prayer life around bringing to earth what already exists in heaven, the rule and reign of God, then maybe I should look at the things that are most most out of alignment at present with what God said is, to, is going to be and start concentrating my prayers on those things. And Jerusalem's a prime example. This city of war, and I mean, if you will, it's not outright war right now. It's, it's political war. It's religious war. It's, you know, wars of words. But I would say, like we see in the scriptures, that one day it's literally going to be outright war, as it has been in centuries past during the Crusades, during the, you know, Muslim, uh, the era of Islam kind of conquering the known world. Uh, and, and you have this city that either is under threat of war or in the future will literally be under war where millions of people will die in and around the city. That's out of alignment with the God-given destiny called the city of peace. Uh, so so that's, a, that's a reason to focus prayers on the peace of Jerusalem. Yeah. Ezra, you can cut this question if you'd like. But, um, 
you know, as you're saying this, you're saying, you know, we as Christians yeah. should be praying for the things that God cares about and are important to God. I can think of a lot of other things that we should be praying for that are important to God. Sure. Widows and orphans and all sorts of other things in the Bible that are important. Why should I as a Christian be praying for the peace of Jerusalem? We won't cut the question. It's a good one. And we're here to discuss after all. So, right, we should discuss. So first part of my answer is yes and yes. I think sometimes we set up the situation of, well, if you're saying this issue is important, then you're saying this other issue is unimportant and I disagree because it's important to me, right? That's not what we're saying. And another example here, you know, maybe let's let's get a little bit closer to home on the issue of Jerusalem. Well, if you're saying pray uh, for the Israelis, Jewish people living in the land of Israel, uh, and pray for, you know, Israel's eternal right to the land, and we see that in the scriptures, then you're telling me you don't think that the Arab and Palestinian peoples are important. No, they need prayer too. The plight of Palestinian peoples, many of whom suffer because of the violent actions of very few, totally need prayer as well. And does God desire right relationship reconciled through Jesus the Messiah with Arab peoples and Muslim peoples and Persian peoples and Jordanian and Syrian and Iraqi peoples? He absolutely does. He cares about that deeply too, as much as he cares about Israel, his chosen people. It's not a, if one's important and the other can't be important. All of those things matter in addition to this scriptural imperative of praying for the peace of Jerusalem. That being said, my second answer to your question or to the, the sticky issue you're raising is there's something else going on about this city, okay? That it's not just about the peace of the city. There's something else going on. And now we have to look in the New Testament. Well, first of all, we have to look at this very holiday-esque passage in Isaiah 9. Those who have listened to Handel's Messiah know this passage. You know, like you can hear like the Sopranos, wonderful, da -da 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 -da, counselor. And it ends with this idea, Almighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so right here in that passage, wait a minute, everlasting father and prince. Well, a father isn't a prince. What's going on? Right in that fantastic glimmer of hope in the middle of dark chapters of Isaiah is this idea of a Messiah who's coming, who would be what we call in Hebrew the Tsar Shalom. Tsar is prince and Shalom, again, is peace. Okay, so the Messiah is coming to be the prince of peace. Jesus is the Messiah. That makes him the prince of peace. And what did he say in the days leading up to his death and then his resurrection? He said, sitting on the Mount of Olives, looking at the city of Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long I, how often I long to gather you, meaning this physical place and the Jewish people living within it, under my wings, like as a mother, as a mother hen gathers her chicks, I long to gather you that way, but you weren't willing. So truly I say to you, you won't see my face again until you, Mount of Olives to Jerusalem, Jewish people say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So that was a roundabout way of saying, why should Christians care, right? Amidst all the other things we could be praying about, why prioritize and why does God actually, through this Psalm of Ascents that David wrote down, why does he actually say you'll be blessed if you keep Jerusalem as something affectionate in your heart? Because it's not just about the city. It's the place where Christians and Jews agree on this issue. Believers or not, it's the place where the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, will one day come to rule and reign. Now, the difference is Christians and Jewish believers in Jesus believe that he has come as the suffering servant and he will come again as the conquering king, the Prince of Peace, to rule and reign. Most Jewish people in the world, if they even believe in a Messiah, are waiting for a Messiah to come for the first time. Either way, the promise is he's coming to the city of peace.
So why do we pray for the peace of a city? It's not just about the city. It's about the destiny of that city, not just to be a place of peace, but to be the throne seat of the Prince of Peace who will rule over the nations of the earth. Got it. Okay, so I get it. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yeah. It's important to God. There's a blessing attached to it. But what does that mean? Like, am I praying for the roads, the city, the sure. people? Like, what? What? it's so vague. You know, it can be so broad. For me as a Christian, what yeah. are the practical things that I'm, I'm actually praying for? Right. And I think, you know, I'm thinking of this passage, actually. I know it sounds a little bit like a tangent, but when God said to the children of Israel, you know, as the first temple's being destroyed and they're going into, un, into exile under the Assyrian and Babylonian empires, right? Through Isaiah and Jeremiah, God's saying, seek the peace of the city that I'm sending you to, right? They're all going to—the southern kingdoms are going to Babylon. This is an exile. They're going to be mistreated there. They're going to be misunderstood. A lot of them are going to be at threat of losing their identity and dying in exile. And God says, I'll bring you back here in 70 years, but until I do that, you seek the peace of the place I'm sending you. So Ezra, great, that's great about Babylon. What does that have to do with me as a listener living in Cincinnati or Santa Monica, right? Well, here's what it has to do. I would put the question back to you, Carly, and back to our listeners and say, if you're at your church and congregation and people said, you know, our, our objective here is to see God's kingdom come and his will be done in Cincinnati, right here where we live in Phoenix, Arizona, in Santa Monica, in London, in, you know, Moscow, in Kiev. So start praying for the peace of, you know, Cincinnati, Santa Monica, Kiev. What does that look like? Well, are we going to pray for the government in that area, for righteous government that raises up righteousness and confronts wickedness? Yeah, we're going to pray for that. Are we going to pray for the economic and social well-being of that place? Yeah. Are we going to pray for more of a witness for Jesus, for Yeshua, that would impact the spiritual condition of that community? Sure. Are we going to pray for the uh, growth of faith-based communities that can nurture new believers and actually reach out to the city in greater and greater measure so there's revival in those places. I know I just said a naughty word, but, you know, so that there's a, a massive turning to the Lord, right, and kind of an outbreak of salvation in those, in those geographic places. Yeah, we're going to pray for that too. Are we going to pray for, you know, if, if you will, you know, are we going to pray for God to confirm the testimony of Jesus in those communities with healings and miracles and awesome things happening to show people that he's for real? Yeah, we're going to pray for that too. So now... Translate that to the city of Jerusalem. If we're praying that God's kingdom come and his will be done for Jerusalem, ultimately that Jesus, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, would return to the city of peace, then to answer your question, when we say pray for the peace, are we praying for the protection of Jerusalem against terrorist events, against war, against Jew or Arab, Christian, Jewish, or Muslim being killed unnecessarily through violence? Yeah, we're praying for that. Are we praying for righteous government in the city and in the nation? Yeah, we're praying for that. Are we praying for the infrastructure that make it a place that's more desirable to live so more people have an opportunity to meet believers there? Yeah, we're praying for that too. So I think it, we need to maybe sometimes take things out of these obscure Bible concepts and take it down to practicality and then apply it. I think that's a really good way to put it because you have probably been to Jerusalem how many times? I have. I've, I, who knows? A yeah. hundred. Uh, right. Literally. And I've, I've never been. Yeah. And so 
relating it to Santa Monica or Cincinnati or Phoenix or whatever right. makes so much sense because Jerusalem and Israel, if you've never been, feel like this faraway land sure. that is in the Bible and so important. And it's like, sure. how do I pray for such a big, right. it feels too big. So to think of it like, okay, your own city, mm-hmm. of course, I know how to pray for my own city. Right. I think that's a really practical way. A question I have, though, is pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Obviously, that's a specific city. Sure. Does that mean that we should be praying for all of Israel? And, like, is God talking about all of Israel and he's just using Jerusalem as, like, a a gateway? Or, you know, I see a lot of – you were talking about bumper stickers. Sure. I think we even have some pray for Israel, I stand with Israel kind of things. How does that relate? Like, pray for Jerusalem, pray for Israel. Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, other terms that are used in the Bible are like Zion, right? Like we see Jerusalem a lot or Zion, Zion in Hebrew. And people are always asking, like, is that literally Mount Zion? Like this little part of the corner of the old city? Is it the temple? Is it the city of Jerusalem? Does Zion represent the center of the Jewish homeland? Yes, 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 yes. So yes, there's something specific about Jerusalem. God has said, like, the scriptures actually say God has chosen Jerusalem beyond all the towns of Judah. So there's something about like, we need to think about about God, obviously, in, in a sense, he's entirely holy and other than us, right? In a way that we won't understand till one day when we meet him face to face. And yet, on the other hand, he has a heart. He has a soul. He has thoughts and feelings, maybe some of which we don't understand. But when God says, I've chosen Jerusalem, there, there's a there's a a preference in the heart and mind of God for a city that He loves, and all I can tell you, this is going to sound a little bit odd, maybe for our Christian audience, maybe our Jewish audience would resonate more. There's been times when I've been in Jerusalem, and I'm not like naturally an emotional person, Carly. No, okay? no, I know. Hard as it is to believe, okay, I'm not given to tears and you know poetic words. But there's been times in my hundred something times in Jerusalem when I've been there with other Jewish believers, and we'll look at each other, and one of us is watery eyed, and then the other one is, and we don't like, and we go what, and the other was, I don't know what with you. And when we finally open up, we we express this overwhelming awareness of the love of God for that city. Like, like uh, you know, when we see this language, actually, even in, in Revelation, the way the story ends is Jesus comes back and actually a bride is delivered to the King of Kings. And yes, that bride is the body of Messiah, the body of Christ, if you will, the ecclesia, Jew and Gentile alike, but also the city of Jerusalem decorated with these precious stones and pearls, okay, and metals is also described as like a bride prepared for her husband. And so there's this idea, more than idea, I think there's scriptural proof that I'll say, you know, personal experience, I've encountered a little bit of from time to time of the deep, deep desire of God for Jerusalem, for the city itself, though it be trampled underfoot and though it constantly be at threat of war and though in the future it's going to be ransacked and raped and pillaged and plumbed, you know, and millions of people will die, that's not the end of the story. And so my answer to your question is, yes, it relates to the land of Israel, the eternal homeland of the Jewish people. Yes, it relates to Jewish people. And I'll say not just Israeli Jewish people, the other, depending on how you count, 6 to 15 million Jewish people living elsewhere in the world, maybe even 16 or 17 million. But there's also something about specifically this city that we need to think of it as as closely as we think of the cities where we live and as eternally as the permanent throne of the king we worship and everything in between. Mm -hmm. 
again, I think that's such a practical way of looking at it. When you think about, you know, when you were saying before, a city of peace, I'm sure that maybe when you hear city of peace, you think Jerusalem. I think of a town that I love in Wisconsin with a lake that's sure. very peaceful. Right. That is very important to mm-hmm. me. And like you're saying, keep Jerusalem in that same yeah. place that you feel about whatever that town is to each person. Exactly. And the more frustrated we are about the current condition of a thing versus what we see God intended, rather than getting disgusted or disengaged on the issue of Jerusalem or anything else God's promised he wants to do among Israel and the Gentiles, maybe we dive in more intentionally to prayer. Lord, you said this is the intended outcome. Lord, you said Jerusalem is going to be a city of peace. You said the Prince of Peace is going to come back here. I don't see it. Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. Bring about that day speedily and soon. Show me what I can do to bring about the peace of Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way of looking at it too, which is go to the Lord and ask him if you don't know what to pray for, you know, he will reveal that. And, um, you know, we've said before that Ezra and I both were on this podcast, but we also work at Jewish Voice and we have a lot of prayer campaigns. We just finished one this year where we spent 55 days of praying. Totally. um, And there's great ways to engage with how to pray for Israel, how to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of resources on the website that you can find if you're interested in doing that. Right. Right. So we hope that that's helpful. Uh, revisit Psalm 122.6 for yourself. Mm-hmm. Read it in context, because sometimes you just hear the pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but there's many verses around it that we talked about that support what we're um, the context of what we're saying today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go back and do that. We hope that you took something away from this that you can apply practically to your everyday prayer life and understanding of Jerusalem and Israel and the Jewish people. You know, we talk on the podcast often about how we do this, but we also support uh, Jewish communities around the world. And Ezra kind of hinted at that when he said Israel kind of means everywhere the Jewish people are. Sure. Um, And so we go to some of the most remote parts of the world and share the gospel and bring practical help to Jewish people around the world. And you can partner with us and do that on our website, a Jew and a Gentile discuss.org. Um, Carly, I'm just thinking, yeah, sorry, I, yeah. I interrupted you, but I, I'm thinking of, you know, the Ethiopian Jewish community, which yeah. is one of the communities we've been serving in partnership with Jewish Voice for over 20 years. And speaking of Jerusalem, like the Ethiopian Jewish community has a saying that's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years. And it says this, the hungry go to food and the thirsty go to water, but I will go to Jerusalem. Mm. And 160,000 Ethiopians now live in Israel, second and third generation, in fact. Yeah. But tens of thousands remain in Ethiopia, and Jerusalem is just a dream and a desire for them. It's not a present reality. And so uh, if you're listening today and you're going, wow, that's a tough situation to be in. I'm feeling kind of pricked at my heart level to yeah. get involved and help. We have ways to practically do that, to share hope and healing with scattered Jewish communities who are to this day very far from Jerusalem. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And, you know, Ezra's been to Ethiopia many times, and uh, we actually have coffee that we source directly from Ethiopia, which is one of the places we go, and you can get that on our website as well. That's the Lost Tribes Coffee. All that information you can get on our website at a Jew and a Gentile org. So we hope this was helpful. If you want to listen to more episodes from season three or other seasons, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love if you connect with us on social media, the handle a Jew and a Gentile discuss. You can submit any questions or comments there as well. And thanks so much for tuning in and listening, and we'll see you next week. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.